The Invictus Mind, Episode 3. Hello, this is Mike Corbell. Each and every person is a sovereign individual, born with a spark of divinity, with unique and unlimited potential. But every one of us will face unique challenges, obstacles, or roadblocks. There are systems in this world that may be built against our own best interests. Governments use force to coerce and compel us. Sometimes we build systems in our very own head. In each episode, we will look at these systems, these roadblocks, the things that prevent us from reaching our true potential. We will discuss how to break free and regain our sovereignty, how we can become the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. Well, hello again. Mike here. Today on the Invictus Mind, we had a little fun. I tracked down a good friend of mine who wanted to remain nameless until he put on his hero's cape. We added a disclaimer at the beginning because we didn't want to have any confusion. Today we are covering some important stuff about how to help people who are often neglected by the traditional financial industry. How a good plan can make all the difference and what it takes to win the money game. So tell me, Financial Ninja, how did you come up with the name Financial, financial Ninja? Ninja? What does that exactly mean? Well, I don't know if finan- you know, hey, because I'm a warrior and, um, you know, a ninja, there's a little bit of mystery. And uh, the reason why, you know, we have to have a little mystery is because, you know, you wanted you wanted a really full expose on the ins and outs of, uh, of, what, of what I do with money and finances, right? And uh, when you're in a highly regulated industry like we are, man, you got compliance departments that are just, you know, I understand why they do what they do, but boy, they, they, they literally require you to send in a script. They're going to dis- dissect everything, tell you what you, you can't use this word. You can't use that tone. You can't use that inflection. And um, you know what? So I, I would rather just get a chance that I don't need my name out there. I don't need to advertise who I am or my firm. I want to get the information out there. I think that's more important. So, uh, you know, the ninja, the financial, the financial ninja, ninja answers to no one. So, you know, uh, we don't have to worry about compliance uh, if it's the financial ninja talking. So if people want to find a ninja, where do they have to look? When you need the ninja, the ninja will appear. All right. So I'm sitting here with the financial ninja. (laughs) And uh, Mr. Ninja, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background? Tell me uh, what you do for a living and how'd you get started in that? Well, I'm I'm in financial planning. And uh, I started back in, uh, it was 1997. And I was... uh, I was introduced to the company I'm with right now part time. Uh, you know, I uh, when I was approached, I, I was actually um, having more of a conversation about becoming a client myself. Uh, the company that uh, was uh, working with me, they specifically focus on helping 
the average family that the typical traditional firms had a tendency of leaving behind. Uh, in fact, I remember uh, sitting down with um, uh, one of my bosses from my former job, and uh, they we had uh, a big month coming up where you you were able to earn a, a big bonus, and uh, he wanted us to learn about investing, and so I you know, was really impressed with that, you know, and now, of course, I didn't earn this big $10,000 bonus, but I did get a promotion shortly afterwards. And uh, since I was making more money and I thought, you know, I could start putting a couple hundred bucks away for retirement or just to invest in general. And I remember contacting this guy and literally his response to me was that, you know, call me when you've got $10,000 because, uh, $200 a month is not something I can work with. He said, put it in the bank until you got $10,000. So, so I was actually very intrigued when I finally came across, uh, someone who was willing to work with me, uh, at the level that I was at. And I was really intrigued by that idea, you know, and he, uh, I think when we were first introduced, one of the specific phrases he used in our conversation was we educate families about money and finances. And I thought, golly, you know, here I am. I was 27 years old. I was making about $65,000 a year. So I had a, I made a good living, uh, but I was spending about $85,000 a year. And I thought I need an education about money and finances. I mean, you know, uh, I can obviously add up that um, I'm spending more than I'm making. And so, uh, I was really grateful that he's willing to sit down with me where, you know, in the past, other financial planners really, you know, I didn't, I didn't fit that specific criteria. And uh, so that's how I got started. I got started originally just as a client. And uh, he mentioned that, you know, I could, uh, I could actually work part time and I could learn how to help people and get some certifications under my belt. And there was no way I was going to be able to do something like this full time. Uh, there was no way as a husband or a dad that I could just, you know, jump ship from a good, steady, stable, stable paying job to, to something I didn't have a background in and wasn't sure I'd even be good at it. So they said, yeah, you know, it just, um, you know, throw your hat in the ring part time, get a chance to get the certifications under your belt and learn how to do what we do. And that was how I got started. I got started and I uh, started doing really good. I, uh, you know, started uh, making some really good money and I really enjoyed it and, um, you know, did well enough that I got to fire my boss and start working full time and the rest is history. So you didn't come out of school with a knowledge of getting into financial planning, did you? No, not at all. I was planning on being a nuclear physicist. I, I joined the Naval Nuclear Power Program and I was, you know, that was the path I wanted to go down. And, you know, there was even some, supposedly there was a program that once you graduated, you were like almost guaranteed a bachelor's degree. And, uh, you know, that didn't work out quite as planned. I, you know, not, I'm not dissing the military. I'm very proud of the, the, the time I got to serve in the military, but most people will tell you that their recruiter didn't really tell them the entire story about how it worked when you got in and how it really worked once you were there. 
And uh, so it didn't quite work out as it planned. So my uh, dreams of being a nuclear physicist uh, were dramatically changed. I, I ended up coming out of the Navy uh, doing heating and air conditioning systems. Well, you and I have that in common. I was an HVAC technician for quite a few years of my life. So what would you say you actually do for your clients? Are you a uh, – give them a financial advan- uh, advice? Do you help them manage money? What do you do exactly? Well, I'd say that I, I do all of that. Um, you know, our, our company has a, a particular approach that's specifically geared for, once again, the average American family. Um, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad about these other companies out there, you know, that – that, uh, you know, focus on the wealthy. But that's just how financial services has always traditionally been done. You, you work with a certain size income, a certain size account, a certain amount of net worth. I mean, you know, there's a lot of firms that literally, as soon as you have a certain number of accounts, uh, you land a bigger account, you literally give your smallest account a Dear John letter because, you know, you, they're they're no longer big enough for you to work with, right? It's very much how a lot of the, the traditional industries have done it. And so uh, the company that I'm with has developed a, a strategy to address the average American's financial challenges. So uh, most people, when you ask them, what is my greatest financial challenge? They're not going to say, oh, I'd like to know how to diversify my portfolio and invest my money into this and that. Most people are going to say, man, where would I even find money to invest? You know, I'm trying to pay my bills. So so it's not just about managing the money. It's about putting a plan together that encompasses everything that's important to that family. Uh, what are some strategies to help increase your cash flow? There's there's like 10 to 12 different things that the average family can do that'll put more money in their pocket on a monthly and an annual basis. Um, there's, you know, we help people manage their debt, not just consolidate debt, but literally learn how to take that debt uh, and and put together a, a workable plan. Yeah, I'm not talking about bankruptcy. I'm not talking about debt remediation. I'm talking about just a good old-fashioned plan, step-by-step, step, the most efficient, effective way to tackle your debt. We'll have most families out of debt, including their 30-year mortgage, in usually about 8 to 13 years is what it takes. And most of the time, we're doing that without them taking any more money out of their pocket than what they're spending on debt on a monthly basis anyways. Um, we're teaching them how to how to take care of short-term savings and have an emergency fund and make sure that uh, you know that they're not um, they're not using what most people use as their emergency fund, which is a credit card, right? Uh, most people, the car breaks down, they're putting it on a credit card. Most people, the refrigerator breaks down, they're they're opening up an account at Home Depot or something like that. And uh, and we're teaching people, look, save money. I think the reason most people struggle with debt is that they've had an emergency in the past that they were not prepared for, and they ended up having to put themselves further into debt to take care of the issue at hand. So we teach people how to put money away in short-term savings, liquid savings, so that they could get to it without any major penalties when uh, something happens. Uh, we, we address protection issues, you know, that's uh, insurance, the different kinds of insurances are out there. Um, 
you know, insurance is a very important financial tool. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I've, I've looked at most of the, the average working class families I work with. And when times get tough, you know that insurance is almost always one of the things they let go first. And that is a precarious position to be in because that often ends up being the next emergency that happens that they're not financially prepared for and they don't have the protection that insurance offers. I think, you know, as one of my mentors has, has often said, it's not that people don't, uh, don't like insurance. They just don't like paying for insurance, right? If it was free, we get as much of it as we could. But I think, uh, another principle that has been taught to me is that if you want to be financially independent, find what financially independent people do and and follow the pattern, right? And, uh, and one of the things you'll notice is that financially independent people always are well insured. They are always playing the odds. And the odds are you need to have insurance protection. The challenge is that some people, they, they get their insurance from like an insurance salesman. And in many cases, that insurance salesman wasn't interested in developing a financial plan. They're just interested in selling an insurance policy. So a lot of people have the wrong kind of insurance or they've, you know, got the, the maybe they pay too much to someone that, you know, didn't really shop the market. And so that's another area that we're helping people with. And then uh, another part of that financial plan is the actual long-term investing, right? Uh, learning how to how to be able to you know outpace inflation and uh, utilize professional money management and to take advantage of compound interest and uh, to uh, to be able to uh, minimize taxation, right? These are all things, and it's not just about. Uh, it's not just about investing in the right investment and getting a certain rate of return. While that is also still important, but it's also how is that money going to be treated going in? How is that money going to be treated coming out? And how much does Uncle Sam want to get his hands on? And, um, you know, I'm a patriot. I believe in paying my fair share of taxes. But uh, what you're going to find is most people are being way too generous to the government when it comes to what they're paying in taxes for their share of retirement. And so we want to educate people on how to how to minimize that taxation. And then again, in the long run, you know, the last thing, last but not least, we make sure that in that plan that um, when they pass on, that it isn't Uncle Sam that's the happiest relative at that funeral, right? We've taught them how to properly preserve their estate. So that's the kind of plan we do, right? It's not just about managing uh, investments, but it's a total comprehensive plan from beginning to end. And and not everybody has the same challenges, right? Some people have a little bit more of a challenge in this area than the other. Some people have a little bit more of a challenge with um, maybe debt. And some people have a little more of a challenge with maybe uh, savings. But whatever it is that their specific challenge is, we're going to address that and we're gonna we're gonna customize it, and we're gonna take care of them. So, uh, you know, it's 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 not a cookie cutter thing. It's not a one size fit all. Every plan is unique and different. Uh, we shop the market because we're independent, and so you know, I I'm very proud of the job that uh, our company does. Is why I'm very passionate about it uh, because I I know that you know there's a lot of companies out there that are doing a good job, but I know that when when the planners that we've taught are doing what we teach in our system. They are truly doing the best things. 
that could be done for their clients. So that's what we do. I hope I, I guess that I hope that answers your question, but that's what we do. Sure. Now you mentioned that there is a distinct difference in clientele as some of the other companies will target the very affluent market, people who are wealthy, uh, people who are generally middle class or in a lower economic scale. They're usually apprehensive about meeting a financial planner. They might think they don't have enough money. Uh, how would you overcome that kind of challenge? Well, I think that is done by helping them understand that that's not why we're sitting down, right? We're not sitting down to just try and invest money. Um, we're, we're trying to help improve where they're at when it comes to money and finances. I, I like to throw this statement out there. Do you feel when it comes to the money game that you're gaining ground or losing it? And I think most people will answer, I feel that I'm losing it. I feel I'm losing ground, right? And that doesn't mean that they're failing. It doesn't mean that they're completely doing the wrong things. It doesn't mean that they, you know, don't have money in this, that, or the other. But it, what you've seen, some of it is situational that they can control. Some of it is environmental that, you know, just... They, they don't have direct control over it, but they haven't paid enough attention to doing the right things to mitigate how that environment has an impact on their finances. Like, for example, uh, if you were to go way back to the 1970s, the average American family was able to sustain uh, a middle class uh, standard of living with one working parent and one parent could legitimately stay home with the kids if that's what they chose to do. And you look at today because how inflation has crept up, taxation uh, has, you know, filtered into many, many different areas uh, that the, bu the buying power of the United States dollar uh, over the same period of time has slowly been eroded. Um, the average American family almost can't make it without two working parents. It's almost like they don't have a choice anymore to let one parent stay home with the kids. And that's because of this environmental factor that I'm talking about. And so, and it's a slow, it's a slow, silent thing, right? Um, they, they say, you know, if you want to, if you want to boil a frog, right, don't, don't don't throw them in a uh, a hot pot of water. It'll jump right out, right? Slowly increase the temperature, and you'll eventually cook that frog to death. And uh, and that's kind of what's happening with people's finances. Is that uh, you know they no one's teaching them how to stay ahead of inflation. No one's teaching them how to stay ahead of that environmental factor. And so, um, you know that's uh, that's a part of the process. So when I ask them. Do you feel you're gaining ground or losing ground? When they say, well, I, I certainly don't think I'm gaining ground fast enough. Great. That's what I can help you with. I'm not going to specifically say this is what I'm going to do or that's what I'm going to do. Let's sit down and take a look, right? I'm an, you know, I'm the expert. I'm the financial doctor, right? You know, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a checkup, right? And uh, how many times has someone gone in for a checkup 
totally unaware that they've got an issue. And thank goodness they went to that checkup and they discovered that, you know, oh, I got high blood pressure and didn't know it. Or, oh, I've got high cholesterol and didn't know it. Or, oh, you know what? There's something we got to take care of even more serious. Hey, the doctor gets in there, cuts it out. Hey, guess what? Now we just dodged a bullet because we had a checkup. So, you, you know, let's sit down and give you a financial checkup and see what we can do to help you win the money game. Let's see what we can do to help you start gaining ground instead of losing it. It isn't about investing a certain amount of money. Uh, the way I get them to sit down is just, you know, throw it out there and say, listen, you know, do you feel like you're gaining ground or losing ground? Well, let's see how we can help you gain more ground. So you take on the role of a, uh, a coach or a personal consultant much more than, like, say, a Susie Orman or a, a Dave Ramsey would do, correct? Well, you know, the, let's face it. The, those guys, while I feel they provide very valuable service, they're teaching very good principles. Um, and a lot of the principles they teach are things that that I agree with and things that I'm helping people out with on an individual basis. But the challenge is they're doing it you know, they're doing it from a distance, right? They're doing it through a TV show. They're doing it through a radio show. They're doing it through a book. Uh, they're doing it through a series of classes and churches, right? But, but there's, there's no consequence for the advice that they're giving their people. Uh, one of the, one of the elements of, of being successful in my kind of a career is you don't just sit down with that family one time. Every year, you need to sit down and do a, a review. Okay, this is what we talked about last year. Now, where are you at now? And is it working? And is there something we need to tweak? Or is there something that's changed that's made a difference, right? Um, I've often listened to the, uh, the, um, the results uh, of certain radio personalities, right? And uh, people will call in their show and say, hey, I took your advice and I succeeded. And um, I've often found certain character traits of the people that have succeeded. And uh, usually it involves a level of money that they're making. Uh, and I've often wondered how many people have tried calling that show and saying, man, that advice did not work for me. And I just want to let... You know, I don't even know if people like that would call the show, but if they did call the show, I could just about guarantee they didn't get past the screener. Right. right? It would never be aired. Yeah, it would never be on air, right? But I will tell you this, I don't have that luxury. I have no screener. If my advice didn't work, I have to face that client every single year. So... You know, I, I feel that I'm held to a higher standard. Um, whether the industry holds me to a higher standard or not, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, technically, I am a fiduciary based on the licenses that I hold, but um, I feel that I hold myself to an even higher standard than that. And so uh, I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, uh, that I can lay my head on that pillow at night and I can stand before my God and know that I did what was right for people. Excellent. So as a, uh, a coach in that position, you come across people who have different thought processes. I mean, people look at money differently. Uh, some people have the wrong idea about money. They might look at it like some kind of resource that causes anxiety, causes stress, and uh, other people might think differently. 
what have you seen commonly that uh, you have to overcome as far as people thinking about money? Well, I think some people just, uh, I think the common thing is people need to be slapped upside the head. I think that's the common thing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, I have found the most common thing is people are living life with blinders on. That that they they they've got these challenges in life financially, and they just they just are, they're living paycheck to paycheck. They're, they don't pay attention to the details. That's, that's kind of a, that I would say that's a, 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 um, a symptom of this blinder mentality. And they just are hoping that somehow, some way down the road, something's going to change that's going to make it better. And whether it's they think they're going to hit the lottery or they think that they're going to, which I don't think they think that, right? Most people don't think that. But they do think that maybe I'll get a different job or maybe when I finally pay this thing off. And and the reality is most of those people, if they just paid attention to the details, if they just sat down with someone and started paying attention to those small details, they would they would become financially free over the course of time. They would be able to succeed. Uh, I, I, I compare it to, you know, really anything that we do in life, right? Um, you know, if, if you want to improve your health, right? Uh, a part of it is that you've got to, you got to burn more calories than you eat. Right. I mean, there's that there's math. It's math. You can't change that. Yes, there's also the, uh, you know, there's biochemistry and all that stuff involved, but I'm not a dietitian. But here's what I can surely say. If people paid more attention to what they ate, if people paid a little more attention to how much activity that they do uh, throughout the day, they would improve their health step by step over time. Right. And it's the same thing with money and finances. If you just pay attention even to the little things, right, uh, then then that will matter. But people kind of throw these blinders on. They live for the moment. Uh, they think that somehow down the road, uh, you know, something miraculous is going to happen. And and I, that's the rude awakening. That's that's the time bomb that's waiting to tick. You know, that's that that is the ugly truth of what the this you know next couple of generations of Americans are about to face because they don't have pensions like they used to right it's all riding on what they have put away themselves and the vast majority of Americans have completely failed to do that and so you know honestly that's what my mission is that that's what my passion is is to help these people wake up to reality before it's too late, because you go so far down that road, there's very little you can do to change it. Um, heck, that's the reason why so many people are working with our company part time. That 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 might be their only solution they've got left is to start making enough money some other way to be able to put some money away. Um, but that's really what it is. I think uh, you know. People are living life with financial blinders on. Uh, they, they've got these financial rose-colored glasses that uh, they've chosen to delude themselves with. And, uh, and my job is to wake them up to the reality that they got to pay attention to it now.
before it's too late. Okay, so you mentioned a little bit about uh, people coming on board with the company, and I want to address that in a little bit, but uh, I want to talk specifically about some of the things that you had to learn to become an expertise in this in this field. Uh, I imagine you have to do a certain amount of studying about human psychology and, and the sales process and that kind of stuff. What other kind of training have you gone through to get to where you are? Well, you've got your licenses, you know, I mean, you, this is a heavily regulated industry, and... Um, you have to have some minimum standards and, you know, you're, you're regulated by different government bodies. And so you have to know the rules, right? You've got to, you've got to learn what is okay. What is, what is right and what is wrong, right? Um, you know, what, what is appropriate for this person that is not going to be appropriate for that person. So there's a lot of training that comes, you know, just in the process of getting your licensing. But, uh, I think that, um, I've been very fortunate to have had some great mentors uh, in this company. Uh, you know, I think they're great mentors, not just about money and finances, but they've been great mentors in life. And, and so uh, I've learned a lot uh, because of that. Um, you know, I, I would say that's where my greatest trainings come from. Is you know whether it's been one-on-one -on -one training, uh, training appointments with people, seeing how they react and seeing, uh, you know how my trainers have responded. Um, you know, one 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 of my great trainers has always said, you know, in the end, no matter what, you always choose the right. You choose the right in all that you do, and everything's going to fall into place. Uh, so I think part of choosing the right is doing your homework. It means when a different provider comes up with a new product, you learn about it, you run the numbers, you, you, you find its strengths and weaknesses and where it might apply better and where it might not exactly be a good fit. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's been over 20 years now that I've been in the company. So uh, it, there's a lot that has gone into what has trained me to get to where I am. You know, there's that minimum bar that you have to cross, that minimum threshold to get through that certification. But then a lot of it is, you know, training in life, uh, training about people. You mentioned psychology. You know, there, there's a lot of psychology, especially in the leadership side of what we do, right? Yeah, there's psychology when you're dealing with people, right? Because you're, you're trying to lead people to make a decision. And sometimes people aren't interested in making decisions, even decisions for their own good, right? And they've got the free will to choose to do stupid, right? Everyone's got the right to choose to do stupid, right? So, so I have to find some way to, to at least provide the insight that they themselves can choose. Oh, maybe it's a good idea for me to pay attention to this. Maybe it's a good idea for me to pay attention to that. I've found that, you know, trying to sell somebody something isn't quite the secret to success as helping people learn and inspiring them to come to conclusions themselves. Uh, and I think there's a, there's an amount of psychology involved in that, right? It's very different than the typical maybe sales approach. And, uh, and that's also true with people you're trying to teach and train. So, so you said you've been doing this for about 20 years now and you are, you're an entrepreneur, right? You built this business from the ground up. 
that was one of the great appealing features of a career here is that I do not have a boss. I did not have to answer to someone who could take my job away because maybe they didn't like me or, uh, you know, maybe their, their, you know, nephew needed a job or, you know, I mean, I've been in complete control of my career from day one. So that, uh, that was a great attraction, uh, I saw to, to the opportunity with this company. It's, it's one of the things I've cherished and I appreciate it. And, um, I would say that the money I make now is, is a tremendous blessing, but the freedom I have in my life is worth more than the money itself. Well, that's good because we love talking about freedom here on the Invictus Mind. As an entrepreneur, I know a lot of people talk about the roller coaster of business. In other words, there's good times, there's bad times. How do you overcome that roller coaster in your own career? Well, I got to tell you, that's not that's the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is is the, the tough times, right? Uh, the tough times. Man, there's times you're not sure you're going to make it through the tough times. And I think it it purely comes down to uh, faith and it comes down to, um, you know, I, I like to use the word grit. You know, that, that uh, you know, I like to take that word grit and, uh, you know, turn it into an acronym, you know, and you, know, you got to have gumption, Right. Uh, you know, you just got to have that extra, that extra pizzazz, you know, that you, how, how would you, you know, do, do I dare take a shot at this, right? Do you even have the gumption to take a shot at something like this, right? And, uh, you know, do you have the resilience to bounce back? You know, that's the, that's the, the R, right? Um, and, uh, because you're going to get beat down and you're going to have tough times. And you know what? You're going to have, you're going to have people tell you no again and again and again and again. And you have to have that resilience to come back and keep going. Uh, and the I is intensity. You know, you've got to, you've got to be intense, right? You've, you've got to know that you are on the right path and nothing can sway you. Uh, you have to have an intensity of purpose. Uh, and, and so, uh, I think that's part of what it takes to get through the tough times. And then, uh, the T, which is tenacity that, that you just hit like a bulldog, nothing, you just will not let go. You will not let go of that hope and that future and that faith. You will see it through to the end, no matter how dark the times may be at this moment. And sometimes, I mean, even my own mom has said, you know, Frank, sometimes your head is too far in the clouds, but I don't know if my head has ever been too far in the clouds. I just, I'm too stubborn to let go. My, my tenacity just, I will not let, I will fight and fight and you can knock me down. I'll fight and fight and fight until somehow, some way I figure out how to get through. I like that. Great. Gumption, resilience, intensity, and tenacity. You know, I do a lot of reading about success and successful people. And I came across an author by the name of Simon Sinek. And he talks about this thing called the golden circle. Uh, in his program, Start With Why, most companies get that message wrong where they talk about what they do and how they do it and, and, and finally why they do it. But in his training, he talks about why should be the first thing 
that an entrepreneur should think about as they get up every day. So what is it that really gets you out of bed every day and makes you just want to face the world in a career like this? Well, I think there's two levels of why. You know, there's my personal why. And my personal why is um, I've got two amazing kids that I want, you know, I, I want them... I want them to have all the opportunity in the world to become what they've got the potential to become. And and I don't want anything to limit them that I have the capacity to, to not limit. Uh, so, you know, my why is my family. But my why professionally is... People are struggling out there. I know what it's like to struggle financially. And they don't have to. If they were just willing to learn the few things that are needed to be learned to get ahead. And someone needs to help them. And our company's got all the ingredients to do that. So, you know, our mission is to help families become financially independent and to make sure everyone gets a shot. Everyone gets a shot at it. And so, um, you know, that that's our why. The families that need to be lifted up educationally about money, um, we're going to do it. We, we want to, we know that it can be done. We know that people need it, and I think most of the people that are uh, doing what we do have been there, done that, and I want to reach out to you and help you get above the fray. That's why. So it sounds like you attract the kind of person who has that grit that you were talking about into your business. Uh, but just like any other sales environment, you're going to get a lot of your naysayers, a lot of people who don't believe in your mission statement. Uh, what do you say to them when you come across them, or do you really just ignore them? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we could say. Um, you know, it all depends on how much of a naysayer they are, right? Uh, but, you know, not everybody succeeds at what we do. You know, there's a, there's a high attrition rate. Um, but a lot of those people are our clients, right? So, so all I know is if I was able to teach them how to do the right things with money and finances, whether or not they do well here, um, I've done my job. So, so I don't really, um, I, I don't really take too much of that negativity to heart. Uh, there was a time when I was very offended at, you know, some of the things people would say. But then, you know, I realize is there's a reason people, anybody that's negative about anything, uh, there's a story behind it, right? I just don't know their story. I don't know why they're being that way, right? Here, here's what I know. Um, I've been at this for a while and... And I've had very, very, very happy people uh, on both the, you know, the the client side as well as the associate side, and um, 
that's my testimony, right? I, I know the people that uh, were the, I know, literally know the founders of the company. And I know the incredible integrity they've gotten and how passionate they are about doing the right things for people. So uh, I think when you know what you're centered on and you know that you're choosing the right, people could say whatever they want to say. And it's just like, you know, it's it's water off a duck's back, right? It's a small thing to a giant. Sure, and there are going to be people who this business is not cut out for. Of course. But uh, when it comes to uh, negative people and naysayers, uh, turning more towards direction in the financial industry, there's a lot of speculation out there about the state of the economy and a lot of people that uh, I know just talking to don't really want anything to do with the current financial system because they think it's just going to crash, it's going to implode, and, and a lot of people are going to be in trouble. What, what are your thoughts about the future uh, of this industry in particular? Well, I know that you could certainly spend hours having conversations about, you know, uh, what's wrong with the system and, you know, what we need to do to change it. And we could talk about, you know, what whatever it might be, the gold standard, the corruption at highest levels of government, the problems with the Fed. I mean, we can go on and on about all that stuff, right? But in the end, we still have to deal with it on a daily basis, right? We still, we still have a life to live. We still have our families to feed. We still have to prepare for a future. And I believe that we are responsible to prepare for our future regardless of what the environmental um, consequences might be, right? I have no control over the sun and the rain. So I can't complain about it, right? It is what it is. Well, I think that's also true of most of the uh, people, the challenges people might say the system has, right? Um, can we change it? You know what? Let's go for it, right? If there's some things we can do to improve it, let's go for it. But in the meantime, you can't pretend that the system doesn't exist. You need to prepare for your future. You need to be making sure that, you know, again, those six steps, right? That you're increasing your cash flow. You're getting out of debt. You have short-term money saved up. You've got protection issues taken care of. You've got long-term savings taken care of. Um, you know, I, I, again, uh, uh, one of the leaders in our company kind of uh, uses the analogy that, you know, when, when, when the economy crashes, right, if and when, we'll say if and when, and however you want to define the economy crashing, right? I mean, let's face it, all economies are cyclical. There's always cycles, right? You're going to have growth and recession and growth and recession and growth and recession. Every country, every economy, their cycles are a little different, but you're going to experience that uh, it's why they're called economic cycles, right? So you need to wet, you need to learn how to, you know, do the right things financially, regardless of what the cycles are doing, right? And even if we do see some major downturn in the economy, um, you know, it's going to be the people who save their money. It's going to be the people that did the right things financially. You know, the story of the grasshopper and the ant right? It's going to be the ant who stored their, uh, you know, stored for the future that are going to weather the storm, regardless of how bad that storm might be, right? 
uh, and it's going to be the grasshopper asking the ant, can you spare something, right? So I would rather be the ant regardless of what the environmental economic factors are. I would rather be the ant and have my family taken care of as much as possible than to be the grasshopper and just complain about the system. I think it's one thing to try and improve the system. It's another thing to criticize the system, but it is what you have, right? You know, you've got the sunshine, you've got the rain, that's what you've got to work with. So in the meantime, learn how to best take advantage of the system that we are in so that you and your family are taken care of, and then by all means, work on improving it. I like what you said in there. One of my mentors that I listen to in a podcast, he always talks about strengthening your human capital. In other words, constant lifelong learning. And what I like to talk about with people on this podcast is uh, some of the books that they're reading, uh, some of the sources of uh, personal education development. What, what are some of the things you would recommend for people? So, some of the books? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I... Um I love Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T.R. Becker. I, I think it's a profound book. Um, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, by Dale Carnegie. And uh, 177 uh, Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class by Stephen Siebold. Uh, I think those are all excellent books uh, that uh, you know, really, um, it's about mindset. In the end, it, it really boils down to mindset. So, I think those are all great. Those are all great books. And you know what? I may I have yet to probably read some of them that I would find even you know more influential and even better than the ones that I've recommended. But uh, those are a few of the really good ones. Awesome. So what's the end goal here, your personal end goal? Is it financial freedom or is there something larger than that? Well, you know, I, I, I think I would be remiss. Um, my end goal, I mean, we're talking personal here, right? My end goal is that in all things that I do, that I have left this earth giving glory to God. That when people look at what I've done as a father, that they go, that that was a man of God. That was a godly father. Uh, that was a godly husband. That was a godly businessman. That was a godly friend. That was a godly member of the community. And by godly, when I use the word godly, I don't mean like, you know, some people kind of think that means, oh, you know, holier than thou. No, I, I'm hoping that people look at my life. They might not necessarily ascribe it to Jesus Christ, but they would see a life that was lived reminiscent of, of the teachings uh, of love and humility and service to his fellow man that our Savior taught us. So, um, and that also means being 
responsible. I think, you know, the Savior taught us responsibility. I need to be responsible as a father. I need to be responsible as a husband. I need to be responsible as a member of my church. I need to be responsible as a member of my community. I need to be responsible as a business owner. I need to be responsible as a leader and mentor to the people around me. And I need to be responsible to my clients. So I, I, I would like, uh, you know, the end game is that I, I bring honor and glory to my God. Awesome. All right, one last final question for you. Are you Invictus? Oh, I would say I am. Heck yeah. I am unconquerable. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. This is great information, and uh, I'm sure that uh, the mission will continue on a day-to-day basis, and uh, good luck, man. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to any of your favorite podcast media players. I want to thank you for listening and thank the Financial Ninja for his expert advice. Remember, leaders are readers, so please download Audible and find any of the books mentioned in this podcast. I look forward to speaking with you next time. Until then, this is Mike Corbell. Peace. Peace.